Now I've taken a lot of time with that and so I just want to lay one verse on your heart tonight. Other nights we'll take other verses. But would you look at Revelation 2.10. This is the church at Smyrna. Smyrna was a small church. It didn't have very many people. And it didn't have any wealth. It was 40 miles from Ephesus. It was called the beauty of Asia. In the Smyrna city, they had emperor worship. Polycarp was the pastor there. John, the beloved apostle who wrote Revelation, is the one that ordained Polycarp. Polycarp was a disciple of John. He was apparently the pastor while John still lived. Or maybe became the pastor immediately after John was, was, was martyred or died because Timothy became the pastor of the Ephesus church and John had been the interim pastor and the, you might say, the emeritus pastor at Ephesus. And it's possible that Polycarp was the pastor at Smyrna when John was writing this. Polycarp was later martyred for his faith. And John, under the impression of the Holy Spirit, on the Isle of Patmos, there on Sunday, in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, saw the vision of the seven churches. He saw the vision of the seven stars who are the angels of those churches or the pastors of those churches. He saw them like candlesticks and he called them candlesticks in the King James Version. In the original there are lampstands because there were no candles in that day. But John said these churches get their light from Jesus, the light of the world. And there was always the, always the problem if that church would not do its burning, if that church would not listen to the word of God, it would have its light extinguished. It would not be the church that Jesus wanted it to be. And so the warning is, you do what God wants done, or I'll remove your candlestick. And this was not said to brick and mortar. There were no buildings in those days. It was not said to a beautiful auditorium with beautiful red carpet and lovely stairs and wonderful cushioned pews. It was said to people, the people that made up the church. And so the same thing is being said tonight. I want you to notice Revelation 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last who was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Now this was that little church at Smyrna. Not much influence. Not much wealth. Not a whole lot of people. Dwelling where Satan's seat was. In the, in the area where they were worshiping the emperor. And John, Jesus says through John, I, I know you. I know your works. And I know the persecution you're having to face. And I know the fear that you feel. What are, what are people afraid of? Franklin Roosevelt used to say, the only thing we need to fear is fear itself. Fear wraps its icicle fingers around you and saps out your energy and your creativity and blinds you and, and stupefies you and paralyzes you so that you cannot do what God wants done. And the word here is don't be afraid. Fear none of these things. What are people afraid of? 
Sometimes we're afraid of financial problems, that we won't have enough money to do the work, that we won't have enough money to last till we retire, or when we retire, we won't have enough money to make it until we die, or when we die, we won't have enough money to pay for the funeral expenses. Now, I know we have all those fears, but I want to tell you, David said, I've been young and I'm old, and I have yet to see the righteous begging bread or his seed hungry. God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon his side, God will take care of you. Be not afraid of these things. Some people are afraid of failure, so they never try anything. The best way to never be criticized, the best way to never have anybody against you, the best way for you to be complimented by all people and for you to be to respond to the song, for he's a jolly good fella, for he's a jolly good fella, the best way is to do nothing. Just don't do anything. And nobody will criticize you. And nobody will tear you down. But you start standing for something, and you start taking some strong stands, and you try to start building something, and you start being against something, there'll be people that will hate you, and will bemind you, and will say all manner of evil against you. And that's what John, Jesus was saying through John to that Smyrna church. He said, some of the folks, even of your own household, won't like the stands you're taking. I think of Charles Weigel, that tremendous songwriter, preacher. We know him as a songwriter. They didn't know him in his early days as a songwriter. They knew him as a preacher. Charles Weigel, great, great evangelist. And he was gone son. And he preached the word of God faithfully and took some strong stands. And finally his wife said, Charlie, if you don't quit this business, I'm going to leave you. And he had to decide whether he was going to quit doing what God told him to do or take his wife seriously. She, he didn't really think she'd do it. Finally, she, when he came home one day, she said, I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm not going to be a preacher's wife. I'm just not going to be around when you take all these stands and preach all this stuff. She said, I'm going to take our daughter and leave. And she did. She took their daughter and walked out on Charlie, the preacher, for no reason of his. And he almost went mad. He started to quit, but God wouldn't let him. Some of his friends advised him to quit. You'll never be able to successfully preach without your wife. And he thought, well, I guess I should do that. Listen to the advice of my friends. But God wouldn't let him. There was shut up in his heart a, a fire in his bones. He was advised not to go to a certain place and preach. He went to that place and preached anyway, and hundreds of people got saved. And the Lord had his hand on Charlie Weigel's ministry. Out of the heartbreak of his wife leaving him and taking their daughter very seldom seeing her after that. He wrote that song, I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus, since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. Completely, He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. His wife grew sick. She was out in California. And in the hospital, she sent for her daughter. She said, I want you to go find your daddy. And you go tell him he was right, that I was wrong. 
And then she died. God let Charlie Weigel live till he was over 95 years old. Some of us in this room have heard him sing. His voice is on tape recordings. A man who would not be scared out of doing what God wanted him to do. Fear none of these things. The world can press you into its mold. The world can harass you. The world can take stands against you. The world can talk against you. The world can say, I'm going to walk out on you. I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to stand by and see you take these stands. The world will do that. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Fear none of these things. The devil will cast some of you into prison for 10 days. As to whether what that 10 days means, Bible students are, are not, not uh, together on it. Some believe that that meant there would be 10 uh, persecutions, and there were 10 Roman persecutions. And it could be that John was referring to that, that there would be 10 persecutions. Don't be afraid. Just this little thing that's going to happen to you, it's going to get worse. Somebody said, cheer up. It could be worse. And it got worse. We do not need to think that just because we're Christians that we're not going to have persecutions. They'll come. Not everybody will like you. Not everyone will speak well of you. Jesus even said, beware when all men speak well of you. They hated Jesus. Who was it that hated Jesus? It was the religious people. That adulterous woman didn't hate Jesus. She was glad to get saved and forgiven. The thief on the cross didn't hate Jesus. He was glad to be forgiven and saved. But it was the religious smugs. Those who said, well, I'm going to go down the street and go to another church. Jesus, if you, I thought you were going to come and lead a re rebellion against the Roman army. I'm not going to follow you anymore. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Jesus said to the Smyrna church, you take that stand and you stand where you are and fear none of these things. The devil will cast some of you into prison. Some people are afraid of pain. And I want to tell you, pain is going to come. If pain hasn't come to you, it's on its way. Some people are afraid of illness. Some people are afraid of embarrassment. Afraid that something in their lives will, be, will get out and they can't take a stand any longer because they had a, a problem in their life in the past and so they're scared to go on. Some people are afraid because their families are not with them and don't take the stands they stand on. Some people are afraid of financial loss or lack of security. There are lots of fears. If I could take a toll and a poll of the folks here tonight and ask you, what are the things that scare you? What are the things that cause you fear? We'd have a hundred different ideas. This causes fear in somebody's life. Something else causes fear in another person's life. Jesus said, fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so Jesus' message, one of the last messages to the church, was that message to the Smyrna church. Don't be afraid. Fear none of these things. All the things that shall come to pass. Don't be afraid. 
Fear is a terrible monster that will choke out your usefulness and your power and your authority. Don't be afraid. Just stand where you are. The devil will do everything he can to hurt you. The devil will throw everything at you. The devil will try to depress you and discourage you and hurt you. The devil will do all those things. He has a thousand tricks up his sleeve. But Jesus said, don't be afraid. Fear none of these things. I'll be with you through them all. But then he gave a, com a commission. And this is, I say this and then I close. He said, don't be afraid of any of these things, but be thou faithful. Be thou faithful. He didn't say be successful. He didn't say be sure that you have a $200,000 house to live in. Be sure that you wear $300 suits and clothes and dresses. He didn't say be sure that you can get the most expensive car. He said all I want you to do is be faithful. Now faithfulness is an interesting word. It does not mean that everybody accomplishes the same thing. Therefore, we cannot compare ourselves with each other. You cannot say, well, I'm not as successful because I'm not a bank president. I work over here in a factory. Therefore, God hadn't been very good to me. One cannot say, well, I can't preach like Billy Graham or like Adrian Rogers. Therefore, God hadn't been very good to me and I'm not very valuable. We cannot compare ourselves one to the other. I appreciate Cliff Barrels so very much. I talked to Cliff one time. Brother Cliff is the song leader for the Billy Graham Crusades. Years and years ago, he used to lead the singing in the East Baptist Church in Chattanooga. Had a wonderful solo voice. He's an effective preacher. I knew him in those days. And then Billy Graham invited him to be the song leader for the Crusades. And Bev Shea was the soloist. I never heard Cliff Barrow sing another solo. He used to sing. But he directed those great congregations. 200 people in the choir. 500 people in the choir. 2,000 people in the choir. And you'd go and see him in all of his enthusiasm and joy leading those great choirs and the great crusades. And I said to him one time, Brother Cliff, why don't you sing solos anymore? He said, well, I had to decide whether I wanted to lead this choir or be a soloist. I can't do both. He said, I leave the solo work to Bev Shea and everybody loves Bev Shea. His name is on everybody's heart. There's no one here that couldn't, there couldn't be anybody here that doesn't love Bev Shea and the way he sings. More people know the name of Bev Shea than Cliff Barrows. But Cliff Barrows is the one behind the scene that has caused those great crusades to be what they are because he's the platform man. And he's the one that directs it all. And Cliff said, I never compare myself to Bev. Bev has one ministry and I have another. I'm the song leader. Bev's the soloist. If the whole world goes after Bev, Bev and loves him, so what? I love him too. And all I want to do is direct God's choir and get him to sing praises to the king. We cannot compare ourselves one to another. Fear none of these things, 
Find what God wants you to do and do it with all your heart and soul and mind. Find what kind of church God wants this church to be and let's do it. Find what kind of person God wants you to be and be it. Fear none of these things, but be thou faithful. Be faithful in the spot that God has called you to serve. And when we get home, we'll be amazed at the crowns as they're meted out. I think we'll be surprised when we find one day that some little lady who really knew how to pray and spent her lifetime as an intercessory prayer warrior, Jesus is going to call her up in front of Billy Graham and all the other great people that we've heard of, D.L. Moody and all these great men, and he's going to put a crown on her because of her faithfulness as a prayer warrior. God did not call us all to do the same thing. God did not call us all to have the same measure of success as the world looks at success. But he calls us to be faithful. Faithful in a few things, I'll make you ruler over many things. Be thou faithful unto death. And you know what I'm going to say next because I've said it so many times from this pulpit. Faithfulness unto death means two things. Number one, it means being faithful even in the face of death. Be faithful no matter what. They may persecute you. They may throw stones at you. They may kill you. Be faithful unto death. Be willing in your heart to be faithful as long as you live. Paul said, I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Dr. Lee used to pray, Lord, keep me from being a bitter old man. The race is not over until we get home. There's no one in this room who can say, well, I've served the Lord for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, and I can let up a little bit. I think of Brother Tapley, who's in his 80s, and he just keeps on going and keeps on going. He has pavilions at the fair down in Jackson, Tennessee, and goes out there and gives out gospel tracts, and some laugh at him, some spit at him, some make fun of him. But he keeps on going and wins hundreds of people to Jesus. Be thou faithful unto death. Just keep right on going. No one here, not one person in my presence tonight can look back and say, well, I've accomplished what I need to accomplish. I can sort of let up a little bit. No, no. Be thou faithful unto death. And I'll give thee the crown of life. Now the second thing that means is be faithful all the way. When you take off, just keep going. You may run into some turbulence, and the ship of your life may be tossed around. You may even get it caught in the... going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Be thou faithful unto death and your light will shine and your light will keep on and it'll bless others and it'll not be snuffed out. The warning to those seven churches, 
you're right on the verge of having your light extinguished any day, any time. If you do not, keep on being what I want you to be. That's the message. And my prayer is that God will lay on the hearts of every man and woman and boy and girl in this place to be faithful to Jesus. Now faithfulness begins by receiving Him as our Savior. Asking Him to come into our heart and say, Jesus, I need you. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I know you were God incarnate in human flesh. And I believe upon you and I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior and my Lord. And then faithfulness involves walking down an aisle and confessing Him as your Savior. That doesn't mean necessarily getting up and giving a speech. When I got saved, the night I got saved, if anybody had asked me to get up and talk to the church, I think I'd have sunk through the floor. I would have fainted right on the spot. I was scared to death. I couldn't say anything. I just said to the preacher, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. I want you to know it. He told the church. God does not require more of us than we can do. If you're willing tonight to receive Christ as your Savior, confessing Him involves letting the church know it. Letting people know that you're one of us. That you're part of God's family. That in your heart you have asked Jesus. You may not know a lot about Him. You may not know Him as well as you're going to know Him years from now. But if you have met Him and you believe upon Him and you've asked Him to come into your heart, then confess Him. That's part of faithfulness. Part of faithfulness involves being baptized. Not that baptism has anything to do with saving you. It doesn't save anybody. But it is obeying the command of Jesus. Following Him in believer's baptism. Faithfulness involves being in church. Reading your Bible. Praying. And just sticking by the guns. Sticking to it. Until God by death shall take you. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will give thee the crown of life. May we pray. Our hearts humbled before God for just a moment. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of being in this service tonight. We thank You that there's a whole fellowship of God's people here who love You and are faithful to You. We know that every one of us has room to go forward. The field is wide open. There's not one of us who has arrived. We pray Thou wilt help us to be faithful to recognize fear for what it is and fear none of these things that the world or the flesh or the devil can do to us. But may we accept the orders from Jesus and go forward in His name as an individual, as a family, as a church. And Lord, touch everyone in this room and we pray that some who have, who have not confessed You as their Savior will do that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. Just as I am without one plea. What page is it? 334. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come. I know one of the dear ladies in our church who is afraid of storms. I thought of her tonight in this storm. She's not here tonight. And I'm sure that's the reason. We had a storm earlier. And I just thought, you know, Jesus was with us till the storm passed by. 
A few days ago, we were traveling through New Mexico. We stopped at a restaurant, I think, maybe it was in New Mexico, maybe it was somewhere else, Oklahoma maybe. And we went in this restaurant and I saw a young man, 33 years old, who looked like an old man. And my heart just went out to him. He came in, just got a cup of coffee. He had lost everything. He was defeated. Going over there, we went through a terrible storm. Learned later that there were tornadoes in that area. God delivered us through the storm, and the tornadoes were behind us. This man was right in the middle of the tornado, and he had to hide for shelter. And he was defeated and discouraged. I was able to say to him, Jesus will be with you till the storm passes by. You may have a storm in your life tonight. Jesus will be with you till the storm passes by. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Somebody else may. Earthly friends may prove untrue, but I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you all the way. Let's accept that promise and move out on it. There may be somebody here tonight who has been thinking of just quitting. The storms have been too heavy on you. Storm of illness, storm of pain, storm of uncertainty, storm of financial problems. The storm, internal storm, strife. Put those all over on Jesus and let him help you tonight. He'll be with you. He said he'll never leave nor forsake. And there's some here who are right on the brink of stepping over to Christ and saying, I, I want Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. There's a lot about him I don't know and I want to learn more. The best way to learn more is to get right in him. Just come right in him and say, Lord, I want to get to know you better, but I want to commit myself to you. While we begin to sing, who would step out tonight and say, I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. I want to not only trust him as my savior, but I want to let others know that I've decided to follow Jesus, that Jesus is going to be my Lord and my master in the face of the storms. And there may be others who've been on the brink of difficulties in your life. You need to come and take a renewed stand for Christ. While we sing, is there somebody who ought to come tonight? Will you do it?